I love that song that Jesus leaves the 99 to go rescue you. Do you realize you're the one, the one he chases after? Jesus has been preaching about the, his kingdom versus the world's kingdom. And he's now drawing this sermon that's lasted over three chapters. He's bringing it down to a close. He's doing the wrap-up. He ushers an invitation. He basically says, I have laid out my kingdom. My kingdom is about love and forgiveness and grace. And this kingdom of the world is about hypocrisy and posing and trying to earn God's love. And he's going to throw down the mantle today. And he's basically going to say there are only two paths that people can choose. Either the path that is the way into God's kingdom or the path that the world offers. Now, there are many paths, but they really are all one and the same that the world offers. And you have to decide whether you're going to be a citizen of Jesus' kingdom or a citizen of the world. Those are your only two choices. And that's not unusual for God to kind of lay it down on the, on the line. Do you remember when Israel went into the promised land and they, came, uh, they were conquering the Canaanites? And that Joshua was old, he was about to die. And he basically got all of Israel together and he says, you have to choose this day. If you're going to serve the world's way, the world's kings, the world's philosophies, man-made religion, or are you going to serve God? Choose this day whom you shall serve. And there's another time when Elijah took on the prophets of Baal. I don't know if you remember that, that narrative, but Elijah's the holdout. He's the one that's fighting for God's kingdom on the earth. And the prophets of Baal have been chasing him and trying to kill him. Jezebel has. And Elijah comes out of hiding and he says this. Let's have a contest. Let's have a contest between your gods and the real God. And let's see who wins. And whoever wins, well, you'll know who is the real God. So you know the story. He goes and he, he gets... a an altar and they get an altar and they pour water on their altar and they start dancing and slashing and their wrists calling out to their gods nothing happens Elijah's over here he's quietly rebuilding the altar and he puts it all together and at the end of the day he basically says this is a paraphrase God show them that you're the real God and boom lightning comes down licks up everything now they put water on it they didn't put water on his but put water Again, God is always asking every single generation, who are you going to serve? Are you going to walk this path or are you going to walk this path? It just, it, it just can't be more clear. Here's the thing. And this messes with people's minds, so try not to have your mind messed with. Everybody is on the highway to hell. And it's out of God's great love that he broke into our world to provide Jesus as an atonement for our sin. So God isn't sending anybody to hell. We're already on that path. We are already on the world's path. And Jesus broke into history so that he could rescue us. Think of it this way. Um, I used to live in Southern California and I know where the Interstate 10 begins. I've been there many times. It's Santa Monica. 
And when the shampoo business, we had a, uh, an advertising agency in Santa Monica. So I was always in Santa Monica. And I always thought it was weird that I was at the very beginning of I-10. The very beginning. I got on right where it began. But let's say we're on I-10 and we're traveling. But let's call I-10 the highway to hell. <laughs> well, it does end in Southern California. So we won't go there, will we? But if you do not take an off-ramp... What will happen if you stay in your left lane on Highway 10 and you go all the way west, what's going to happen? You're going to end up in the ocean. That's what's going to happen. You're going to basically end up... The only way to get off of that highway is to take an off-ramp. Do you know God saw that this highway that the world had and He gave us an off-ramp called Jesus. And He's the only off-ramp. It's the only way to get out of being separated from God for eternity. It's, it's through Jesus. Now let's open our Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 7 and wrap all of these months long of, of this sermon that Jesus has. It's chapter 7 and we're going to pick it up at verse 13. He says, enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are, what does your version say? Few. Few. So here's the very first fill in the blank. It is, there's two kinds of gates, which also there are two paths two destinations, and there are two groups of people in this, the, these two little verses. Both the broad and narrow ways, catch this, this is where it gets deceptive. Both gates say this. Can you show them the next slide? Both gates are titled this way to heaven. Do you realize that? This path is wide and easy and you can take a group with you. You don't have to make a decision because you're already on this path. But the deception is, is it says, this leads to heaven. And then there's a small gate, a very narrow gate, and it says this way to heaven. That's why it's so confusing when Jesus says, there's two gates, but only one leads to my kingdom. Only one in fact, uh, it reminded me of a proverb. Have you ever heard this proverb? It comes out of chapter 14. It says, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. This one says, come and work really hard and do more good than bad and you'll get to go to heaven. Oh, give all your money away to the poor and then you'll get to go to heaven. Oh, recite these religious duties and you'll get to go to heaven. That doesn't work because you're saved by what? Grace and mercy. And over here, the gate is very small. It's very narrow. In fact, some have equated it to a turnstile. You know what a turnstile is? One at a time. You ever go to a ball game and you have to give them the ticket? You get in one at a time, right? Movie theaters today, do you go through a turnstile? No, your whole group can just go right on in. Jesus says this gate is so narrow, you can only come 
individually, one at a time. Now, it can take as many as it can, but it's so narrow, you can't take anything with you. You can't even take luggage with you. The turnstile won't allow it. It is a narrow gate. Now, Jesus is the gate. Did you know that Jesus actually said that he was the gate? In John chapter 14, he says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but what? Through me. In John chapter 10, he says, I am the door. Boy, it can't be more specific. Jesus says, I am the gate, the only way to heaven. In fact, in Acts chapter 4, it says this, there is no other name under heaven by which a man or woman can be saved. It's the name of Jesus Christ. Now, some of those statements offend the world. How dare he? How dare he say that he's the only way? Well, can't you go through Buddha or Confucius or Muhammad or through being self-righteous? Or No. That is just that wide path. That wide path. Because Jesus commands that you come and here it is. Die to yourself. To carry your cross. To get off of the throne of your heart and allow Jesus. Do you know... The throne that is metaphorically in your heart only can sit one person. You can't have any two people sit on that throne. It's either Jesus or the world, its ways, and everything it can offer. We must enter alone. Must enter alone. Now, this is where I want you to be chill. I want to show you why you can't take anything with you to heaven. And I'm talking, I'm talking sin. I'm talking that kind of stuff. You know what this is? It's gas. Watch the nature of gas. It's, it's combustible. And I'm leaking. What is the nature of fire? Is it, it's going to set this on fire. This is the nature of sin. And you want to do this when you go through the gate? I want to keep some of my secret sin. I want to stay in rebellion just a little. I want to keep my potty mouth. I want to keep my internet that takes me places I want to go. I want to, and what's going to happen when you add this gas with this fire? Boom. Do you understand that the two natures are incompatible? You cannot have a holy God and a person that wants to go through the gate with some of some rebellion, even if it's just a little bit. Do you know I had an inter- interesting conversation with a man at a tire shop the other day. He was saying that how could God send anybody to hell? Because isn't God love? And I said, well, yeah, God is love. He is love. But, and then we went on to say, but if you even have a little bit of rebellion now, what's your rebellion going to look like when you get to live forever? And what happens when you let a little bit of sin, everybody gets to take a little bit of sin to heaven. What does heaven become? Well, murders, rapes. Abuse, stealing, it becomes what we have today, right? In fact, 
I'll, I'll, I'll illustrate this point, and I'm jumping ahead in my text just a little, but I, I think it's worth it. Um, I need a volunteer. Mike, will you come up here for a second? Can you? And I need Ryan. Would you come up here for a second? All right. Ryan, you're going to grab that end. Mike, you're going to grab this end and watch the flame. But um, I'm going to come this way. Now, you two come together as close as you can without, like, kissing each other or something like that. But closer. Bring it tight. What happens if there's only 3% degree between these two angles? Because this is not a straight line, is it? No, there's a, there's a little bit. Now, pretend that this is, Mike's line is just a little bit of sin. But now we're going to take this line out for infinity. Do you know what happens to the gap between here and the gap way out there? What happens to it? It just continues to widen. Pretty soon, now Mike, scoot out a little this way. Now you're not even close to being like God. Do you... Do you Do you see that when we tolerate just a little bit of sin, or if God was to tolerate just a little bit of rebellion, that in time for eternity, it will just continue to grow? Okay, thanks, guys. Do you realize Hitler is worse than he was uh, uh, 80 years ago? Do you realize that Attila the Hun is worse than he was two, three hundred years ago? I know, I know, probably made you a little nervous with that, and... The only thing in there is really water. So it, it had, it had no, uh, no gasoline in it. But you got the point. Jesus says, enter by the narrow gate. And when you enter through him, the door, you have to strip down and be buck naked, if you want to say it that way. You can't bring anything with you. It is just you and humility In fact, Charles Spurgeon said it this way. You and your sins must separate or you and your God will never come together. The two natures are not going to come, are compatible. No one sin you may keep. They must all be given up. They must be brought out like the Canaanite kings from the cave to be hanged in the sun. That is referring to an event in the Old Testament. So when we come to the narrow gate, throw the next slide up. We come with repentance. Does that mean you're never going to sin again? No. We'll sin again. But it means that we get off of the throne of our heart and we put Jesus in place. And we make submission to the Lord our goal. We're going we're to submit to you, Jesus. Even though my flesh doesn't want to, I'm going to submit. I will be kind. I will be this. And it comes with humility. Humility. No self-righteousness, but humility. And the last, God creates you to be a new creation and you have a desire to be holy. You have a desire to be like Him. That is stripping down and going through that little gate. Nothing that you can bring with you. This way you can take anything with you. That's why it leads to death, even though it says heaven is its goals. Now let's go back to the text. Let's pick it up. Verse 15, he says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. 
you will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Or we could throw on there, do we get pecans from goat heads? And we all like, what, are you crazy? So, verse 17, every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased trees, they bear bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. Jesus says there's two kinds of fruits. There's real fruit and there's fake. I'm going to ask you, which one is real? They look pretty close, don't they? Which one is real? Which one? This one? Lawrence says this one. Tammy says this one. Which one? You know what? They're both fake. You can fake yourself out. It's called self-deception. You can play this game over here on this path where you be religious and you have lots of, you have Jesus bumper stickers you walk into your home and there's crosses everywhere and you go to church and you tithe and you do all the duties of a Christian. But inside, where's the love? Where's the joy? Where's the kindness? Where's the forgiveness? Where's the mercy? Where is the grace? That's the kind of fruit that Jesus is talking about, not fake fruit. I can fool all of you and you could fool all of me by plain or pretending to be a Christian. The thing that matters is, is does, it sh- does Jesus show up in your life and really is there the real fruit there? And he says there's, in this way, you're going to have fake fruit. This way, you're going to be real fruit. This way, you're going to be transformed. This way, you're going to be a different man or woman that you were when you, before you came to Christ. This way is the easy path. This path asks nothing of you. You don't have to change. You don't have to change your attitude. You don't have to change your behavior. This path says no. But actually this path, even though it's so tough, is full of blessing. It's full of joy. It's full of purpose. It's full of identity. It's full of value. And so even though it is tough, it is by far the only way. So... The false prophets, the false Christians out there, they talk the talk. They may be knowledgeable in Scripture, but they, their life doesn't teach it. Do you remember the old Wendy's commercial? Where's the beef? Okay, I guess I'm the only one. Where's the proof? Where's the proof in your life? Let's stop talking about other people. Where's the proof in your life? Are you changing? Are, are, are you growing? Are you, have you surrendered everything? Are we still trying to do this number? That's a, that's a valid question, isn't it? Instead of posing, let's be truthful. What happens is, is when you come to Christ, you start to decrease in sin and increase in righteousness. Have you ever met some old sweet saints? They're in their 70s, their 80s, their 90s, and they are the sweetest, gentlest, un, 
I don't even know what the right word, uh, unpretentious people in the world. And you just go, oh, I love them. They weren't like that always. What's happening, they're decreasing their sin and increasing their righteousness through the love of Jesus. And then have you met those old stinkers that are in their 70s and 80s and 90s and they're just stinkers. And instead of getting nicer, they're getting what? Meaner. Again, it's that rope. It's, it's that, hey, you're only off a little bit, but if you're going to live forever, you're either going to get worse and worse and worse or you're going to be more and more like Jesus. Those are your only two options. That's it. Ephesians says that we are his workmanship, workmanship. But catch this. We're created in Christ Jesus for good works. That's huge. And, and let me explain it. You can write this down if you want to. No person is saved by works. No person is saved by works. They are saved for works. That's what the Bible says. That you were saved, and now that you're saved, God has all these beautiful things that He wants you to do with your life. As opposed to this, I'm going to be beautiful so God accepts me on my terms. So it sounds a little bit more like Cain than Abel. Let's go back to the text. Oh, yeah, let's... Let's go back to the text for a second. Picking it up at verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, and do mighty works in your name, and then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Here's a fill in the blank. From two kinds of fruit trees to two kinds of believers. Those that are fake and those that are real. You know, we celebrate communion every week and in Corinthians it says that before you take of that cup and take of that bread it says examine your heart examine your heart did you know God says if you examine your heart then I don't have to isn't that nice and quite frankly you might be harder on yourself than God was going to be but that's okay but he basically says examine your life look for the fruit look for the change that I'm making in your life. Look, examine it. Second Corinthians, he says it a little more powerfully. He says, examine yourselves to see whether you are really a Christian. I'm paraphrasing, but it says to see whether you're really in the faith. Test yourself. Or do you not realize this about yourself, that Jesus is in you? Unless, of course, you fail the test. And so he's saying that there are two kinds of believers. That's why... I mean, that's, this, is, this passage of Scripture scared me as a child. It literally just scared me, and it probably still scares us today. When Jesus says, not everyone that says, Jesus, Jesus gets to go to heaven. Only those that did my will get to go. You can't fake Jesus out. 
another Proverbs, and this is a slide, so Heather, can you throw this up? It says this. There are those who are clean in their own eyes but are not washed of their filth. Charles, can I pick on you for just a second? Sure, I'll let you pick on you for just a second, Charles. Charles doesn't see very well, right? You don't know if Stella's keeping the house clean or not, do you? You have no idea. This proverb says, there are those who are clean in their own eyes, but are not washed of their filth. There are some people that are on this path right over here that think, oh, I'm going to heaven. Sure, I'm going to heaven. But they don't see the rebellion in their heart. They don't see that they're actually fighting against God and His wooing and His calling. They still are seated firmly on the throne of their heart, calling the decisions, never once submitting themselves to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And they're the ones that have gone to church, go to Bible study, have the bumper sticker, have the trip to Israel on their belt. I've been to Israel. Jesus is going to let me in. I walked where he walked. And Jesus is going to tell and look at them and say, depart from me, I never knew you. Because they never went through the gate. They never said, Lord, I'm yours. For the rest of eternity, I am yours. I know I will sin again, but I know you will be quick to forgive me. But I am being yoked with you like in a marriage, and I am marrying you forever. Forever. Another way Luke says, in the same parallel passage, he says it this way. Jesus says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? (laughs) Wow. Uh, Jesus doesn't mince words. They may have God's name in their mouth, but rebellion is still in their heart. They may have God in their mouths, but rebellion is still in their heart. So let's go back to the text, verse 24. Everyone who then hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the wind blew and beat against that house and it fell. And great was the fall of it. There are two kinds of foundations that you can base your life on. Did you know that? There are only two. You're either going to base your foundation on Jesus who is that rock and listen to his words, or you're not going to listen to Jesus. You're going to do your own thing, and you're going to take the easy way out, the wide and path. Doesn't ask anything of you. Do you notice both people heard this words of Jesus? Both begin to build their lives. Both build in the same neighborhood. Because the same storm comes, they look alike, they all go to church, they all do the same thing, but one has built his life on the reality of a personal relationship with Jesus 
And this person has built their life on kind of knowing who Jesus is. Yeah, he's that guy that died. We celebrate Christmas, Easter. Yeah, we, we do Easter eggs because, yeah, it's a nice touching fairy tale. And they built the same kind of house. I'm supposing that. He built a ranch-style house, and he built a ranch-style house. But when the floods came, which house stood up? The house that was built on the rock. Jesus is offering an invitation to the multitude. And he says, I invite you to choose the path. Come into my kingdom. Reject the world. And start becoming the new creation that I have called you to be. This poor man over here, he built his life on the philosophy that was in the culture. The philosophy of a political party. A philosophy of being a gender... I, I don't even know the vast many philosophies that are out there. But they're all one and the same road. And Jesus speaks in such a way. Now let's go back to the text. Verse 28, And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching. For he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. Jesus just lays it all on the line and says, Enter the narrow gate. Build upon the rock. Have real fruit in your life. Strip down and come before a merciful, gracious God, and He will bring you in. That, that Second Peter verse, God desires all men to be saved because we're all on the highway away from Him, and He has given us Jesus that we might be saved might be saved so we go okay cool I remember when I gave my life to Jesus yeah it's been a little rocky but I gave my life to Jesus and I'll never forget that you know one of the beautiful things about being baptized when that water comes under you and you come up out of that watery grave it is a memory planted in your brain forever and ever and ever and ever reminding you of who you are, whose you belong to, and that you have entered the narrow gate. And it is a catalyst to be reminded that I belong to Jesus. That other catalyst is communion. That's why we take it weekly. It's to remind us to examine our lives, but it also is that memory or that, that, that spark of a memory of when I gave my life to Christ, how I made a pledge to Him. You know when you get married, you say vows, right? Those vows are binding. Do you know when you're taking communion, you are, taking the, you, you are reissuing that vow? Now, on, on our anniversary, we sing cards, you know, at Christmas time, Valentine's Day. But every week, you have a chance to renew that vow to Jesus. Jesus, I screwed up this week, but I am yours. I just want to tell you again, I am yours. Grow me, shape me, change me. I am yours. And it's a vow renewal that is beautiful. 
And so in a moment after I pray, the men are going to come and offer you to take communion. But I also want to say, if you have not walked through this door, today's the day of salvation. Today's the day that you get off the highway of hell. This, this is the day that you say, you know, I, I, I've been playing a game, thinking that I was, I was right with the Lord, but I want to enter through Jesus. It is all about Jesus, and I want to get off the throne of my heart. Even though I've taken communion a thousand times, I now understand that I have to go through this door and be forever changed. Let me pray. Father God.